0: This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on the Big Talker KQAM.
1: Hey, good Saturday morning to you. It is Kansas Talk right here on the Big Talker, 1480 AM and 1025 FM KQAM. Hey, great to have you along for the ride this morning. Good Saturday. Let's get you up and going for the day the way we like to do every single day right here on KQAM. It's great to have you. Rocking and rolling. It's a Saturday. It is a little bit chilly, a little bit cooler than what it usually is or has been the last couple of weeks, but that's all right. That's all right. That will get us up and going. So, hey, welcome in. We got a lot to get to today. It's going to be a fun show trying to get you up and moving today. It's open line to you at 3167 218255. Talk. If you want to join into the program, open lines to you, at least for the first half hour here. We have a laundry list of guests to get to today, which I'm super excited about. At the bottom of this hour, State Representative Leo Delperdang, he'll be joining us for about a half an hour to talk about the House side of issues. The state legislature officially on their recess now. They'll be rejoining in the middle of May sometime to go back for their veto session to kind of wrap things up for the 2021 legislative session. And oh, what the ground that we've covered this week, so, or this, this year, so we'll talk about some of these bills here in just a minute. There's some that I want to get your thoughts on, but we'll get the House representation of that with State Representative Leo Delperdang from District Number 94 here in the Wichita area at the bottom of the hour. Hour number 2, we have State Senator Renee Erickson. She'll be joining us from the Wichita area as well. She'll be talking about uh, specifically the Senate side of things going into the veto session and the recess, but also I really want to focus on the educational bill. It's caused a lot of controversy, of course, with the left side of the aisle and the uh, school advocates about a school choice bill. for For once, finally, finally, we've actually been able to have a bill That actually got a decent weight, and it's sitting, uh, I don't know if it's sitting on the governor's desk or if we're still kind of working out on the details of it or how far it actually got, but we'll get a detail from her on that one. But a school choice bill actually creating a savings account, an education savings account for children to where the parents... You can actually choose where to take your kids to school, whether it's going to be a private school or the public school or a charter school or a magnet school, wherever you'd like to go based on the quality that you're actually looking to get out of your education. What a wild concept. So we'll talk with her about that coming up in kickoff in hour number two. Also, at the bottom of hour number two, we'll have a realtor, Sherry Curry. She'll be joining us at the bottom of the hour to wrap up the program today. As we've talked about the real estate market here in the Wichita area, it is hot, hot, hot. And there are so few homes right now that it is obviously a seller's market. But when will things pick up and what would you need to look for if you're trying to buy or sell right now in the realtor's market? So we have a lot to get to today. And we're going to have a heck of a lot of fun doing it. All presented by, in a nice little bow, presented by Phil's Coins, 9344 West Central Avenue. For all your buying, selling, and trading with honesty and integrity, for all your gold and silver needs, it's Phil's Coins, 9344 West Central Avenue. They're opening up in about 20 minutes from now. And uh, they'll be open until 2.30 this afternoon. Make sure to go and check those guys out. And we appreciate them partnering with us here on KQAM and Kansas Talk. But until then, for the first half hour here, it's open lines to you at 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK. We do have a caller. I'll get to you in a second. But here's the questions that I have to present to you this morning on a couple of your thoughts. Number one, I find it first off, as we wrap up the legislative session there are two education bills that I am extremely happy about. Obviously, number one with the school choice bill that we just talked about a second ago, where we can actually choose to take our kids to certain schools based on the quality that we want, and that will in turn hold these schools accountable. Now, the schools say, oh, that's designated to public schools. You're not allowed to do that. That's des- it's designated to public schools. And they don't want their funding to go away. But obviously, if they raise the quality, we wouldn't have to worry about this situation where we would want to take our kids to a separate school. And why should we be paying for a school if we're not actually taking our kids to it because their quality isn't really the best? So that's one bill. The second bill that is going to the governor... And it sounds like they may actually veto this. So I don't know if she's going to veto this one or not. She doesn't like to veto a whole lot of things. She may do this one because the Kansas, uh, what is it? The Kansas administer or the uh, Kansas Association of School Boards has come out in opposition against this bill, which really boggles my mind, and I don't quite understand why. But the Kansas Association of School Boards has come out in opposition against a bill that would create a civics test for you to graduate high school. But also a financial literacy test in order to graduate high school. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that education is one of those things where you don't just learn the book things, but you learn life skills as well. At least that's the way it was supposed to be, which is why we did really well with like woodworking class to at least be able to use your hands a little bit, even if you don't do that a whole lot, and auto shop to learn how to like, you know, change your tire on the side of the road. I will say that I still laugh at my generation, the millennial generation, that still can't change a tire on the side of the road. They can look all manly with their nice little beefy muscles and their man buns. It's all cute and nice, but until you can't change a tire on the side of the road, here's your sign. So we need to bring some of that back just a little bit, don't you think? At the same time, what about Home Ec? Being able to, like, sew things up a little bit. I never got that, and I don't know how to sew if I, you know, tear my socks or tear my pants or something. Uh, it happened on occasion, you know. Would be nice to actually learn how to do that. Maybe some type of herbology class to learn how to, like, plant things. And, you know, to, I, I think that we need to start focusing on life skill classes again, along with, of course, the literacy, along with, of course, the math, along with, of course, the spelling and and the history and the civics and the art and all that stuff. We need all that. But we need to spend some time as well with some of the life lesson type of skills. And I think financial classes would be huge. Why is that not a curriculum in our public school system already? Why would we not do something like that? It doesn't make any sense to me. Because right now, credit card debt, student loan debt, the mortgage, the auto loan, you can learn all about that stuff on the Dave Ramsey program that we have here on the KQAM Airwaves from 2 to 4 every afternoon live. And you can call into that program, by the way, too. But working to get rid of debt... Not living in debt would be kind of a commonsensical thing. And if we had a financial literacy class, then maybe we wouldn't open up a credit card in college and spend a whole bunch while we're trying to buy beer for a nice little cake party. Maybe we wouldn't spend a massive amount of student loan debt. And someone like myself, who needed probably a financial literacy test in high school, probably wouldn't be sitting on $60,000 worth of student loan debt that used to be $88,000. But I've paid down about twenty grand over the last few years on the Dave Ramsey program. Thank you very much, Dave. Oh, yeah, working on those myself. So why would the Candace Association of School Boards be against a financial literacy class? At the same time, a civics class, they say, well, we already take a civics class or we already take history. Okay, but why don't we actually take one as well to where you take a civics test like the naturalization process, which is what this bill wants. It wants them to take the naturalization test of someone who's becoming a citizen of the United States. You need to know the basics. How many members of Congress, the three branches of government? That way we don't have individuals saying, well, Joe Biden, why can't you just sign an executive order to take firearms away? Because that's just the reasonable thing to do because you need to do something to take care of us. Maybe we could get rid of some of those conversations because then people would actually understand how the you know function of government actually works in the checks and balance system and the three branches that we actually have. So there's a lot of discussion there. I'm curious why the Kansas Association of School Boards would be opposed to a bill like this. So that's one. The other bill that I want your thoughts on is the, uh, of course, it's been kind of a hot topic, kind of a controversial thing as well, but the transgender athletics bill here in Kansas not allowing trans individuals to participate in girls' and women's sports. And we've talked about it before, but the big pushback now is after the NCAA has come out and said that uh, they're not going to host any tournaments championships in different states that have these types of laws because they're for equality and they're for you know whatever and they're not going to do it now the problem is is that the state of Kansas and the city of wichita here is set to hold the women's championship in 2022 and the men's championship in 2025 and the fear that many have is that the NCAA is going to pull those championship games away from Kansas and away from the city of Wichita that's going to lose revenue and it's going to lose that credibility of us actually having these tournaments if we end up passing this law. Now, it's sitting on the governor's desk. She said it was a job killer. Um, Not sure why that would be a jobs killer, but that's kind of interesting. But she said that uh, she, again, said that she doesn't necessarily like vetoing bills, but has hinted of vetoing this bill. Mayor Brandon Whipple of the city of Wichita said that if they do end up pulling those championships away because of this bill passing, that the city of Wichita could lose roughly $7.5 million in local commerce. So my question to you, is it worth it because we need to protect, you know, women's sports from transgender athletes? Is it worth pulling it even if the NCAA tries to come back and pull those tournaments away from the city of Wichita and we lose that revenue? Or do we say, you know what? We really need that economic growth. We really need that economic stimulation. We just need to drop this and just let it be. Not that big of a deal. Just go ahead and move on, and let's bring make sure that those tournaments come to the Wichita area. So there's a lot to get to, and I want to get your thoughts on all of these things and more. At 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK. Let's jump right to the phones here. Line number one. Good morning. Who's this?
2: Hey, Konnichiwa, Great Master.
1: This is Sean. Mr. Sean, how are you, sir?
2: Hey, I'm doing great. Sunshine I'm enjoying my coffee. I like it. And trying to remember how I'm going to answer these questions because they're so long.
1: There's a so, lot of them, aren't there? There's a lot of things to talk about.
2: <clears throat> okay. Well, let's see. Where do we start first? First, I'm going to turn my truck off. Okay. Now, uh, uh, as far as the issue with uh, these uh, transgenders uh, and women's sports. Yeah. Huh. Well let me see. I could be opposed to it on the one hand, which I am, or for the sake of being a smart aleck, I could just say, Well, what's wrong with it? Because women are 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 they're invading everything <laughs> that once used to be the domain of us
1: guys oh i see there we go so why not yeah. you know, have men actually compete with them who just pretend to be women so that way we can infiltrate i what i find ironic and intriguing with this discussion just nationally abroad is that the left side of the aisle it's all about you know women's rights and empo- women empowerment because that's what they did you know you know the the feminist movement apparently is on the left side of the aisle, which is not by the way But the radical feminist movement is on the left side of the aisle where women can do everything, if not better than men in any way, shape, or form. I'm curious on how they stand on these issues because if women can do everything better than men, and then men come into their sports because just biologically they're bigger, they're stronger, they have, you know, bigger bone density. I talked to a guest yesterday on the national program about someone, about. Uh, men that just have larger brains in the not sense that we use them because trust me, uh, my wife is way smarter and she's kind of the operation of our you know little home. But at the same time, we use that for more hand-eye coordination, so we're faster, we're stronger, we're bigger overall, predominantly in a generalization form, which is why men come into women's sports and dominate all the records. Now the feminist movement to think that women are the you know empowering and hoorah and you know men are the devil are they for this because you know if you accept yourself as a woman then welcome aboard or are you wait a second you're coming in and taking over all of our records we're not okay with this I- i'm curious on how the radical left feminist movement really stands on this issue
2: well if they're radicals they're obviously men haters i could see them being opposed to it but not all feminists are radical men haters sure so i could see probably some of them you know probably not opposed to it so uh, just like any other group of people you know, they're going to be. I I don't see why they wouldn't be split on the issue, just like anybody else, just like other groups of people.
1: You know, at large. Yeah, that's true. That's uh, true. Uh, when it comes yeah. to the, the the education bills, I mean, why do you think the Kansas Association of School Boards would be opposed to a literacy test and a civics test? Like that doesn't make any sense to me.
2: I don't know. Uh, either they're either they're uh, they're thinking uh, money. Well, it costs money to teach this stuff. Or maybe they're just top-heavy with liberals who don't want to educate but indoctrinate. Let me tell you something: if we had kids that were graduating from high, uh, high school who knew more than what they do today, we'd be better off today. For example, if kids were learning about financial management and responsibility in school, then when they uh, throughout their throughout their uh, public education, when, when once they left college or I mean school and they went to college or joined the military, they wouldn't be getting into trouble financially. Yeah. You know, and, and uh, uh, for young people in the military, uh, particularly in army reservations, because army reservations are always next to small towns. You have a problem with businesses in those small towns taking advantage of uh, soldiers uh, because they're young and dumb. And uh, quite a few of them, uh, for 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 quite a large number of them, the the money that they get paid every month is the most money they've ever made in their life. Sure. So while they might have some military discipline, they're not very well financially disciplined, and they you know they tend to get into trouble, especially buying stuff on credit, you know, uh, or uh, taking Absolutely. out loans, not yeah. get ripped off on interest, and the and then the army has to, uh, you know, I think the army. Today does uh, give them some uh, help with uh, financial. You could take a course like that in the army. I mean, you yeah. can go somewhere in the army to get to get uh, uh, guidance counseling on the finances in order to stay uh, out of trouble. Yeah, but well, uh, uh, you're. Right.
1: I mean, it, I think times are changing right now, and the way they're changing, we're going back to the basics, which is good because we need to go back to the basics because we've kind of lost that ability to understand the basics. And I think public schools need to kind of revisit how they do it, and I think they need to focus on the core values of life skills as opposed to just book skills to where we need to learn home ec, We need to learn auto shop. We need to learn woodworking. We need to learn financial stuff. We need to learn civics. And of course, the math and the reading and the writing and all that stuff as well. But we need to include these things as well as some of the core values in order to graduate, to have a basic understanding of life. My generation, uh, I don't know if you're aware or not, like they have a hard time even like cooking meals nowadays because it's so convenient just to go out that we don't even know how to cook. And there's uh, now uh, even real uh, real estate. When a young generation, my generation's going out and trying to buy a home, it's not about the quality of the kitchen, but it's about the curb appeal on how nice the front door looks, as opposed to you know the actual amenities inside of it. So things are changing, and we need to get back to some of the basics because I think my generation's kind of helpless in many aspects.
2: Well, okay, I, yeah, I understand that. It's helpless in a lot of ways, uh, but um, you know, my generation. When I went to high school, I and mean, a lot of the things that you described, uh, uh, you know, we did all this stuff. Uh, except I didn't have to take home ec, <laughs> and uh, I wouldn't. Have, I took auto mechanics, sure, but I didn't take home ec because I thought home ec was for girls, and it, and I wasn't required to take it anyway. So. That's the mindset. But, <laughs> but you know what? Let
1: me tell you. Now I wish I would have taken it because I have so many holes in my socks. It's not even funny. So I can either go out and buy some more, or I can try and patch them up. And I'd be okay with learning how to patch them up now.
2: Well, I a Duct tape doesn't my,
1: work. I've tried.
2: <laughs> I learned I learned how to sew my first button on uh on a pair of BDUs when I was in the army. You right. know, I didn't have any choice. I had to, you know, sew the thing on because I didn't there wasn't no time to go get someone else to do it for me.
1: That's right. I had
2: to sew it on myself and I had a sew kit and I, I just taught myself how to do it. See? You know, we, it's pretty simple. Yeah. But that was a button. Yeah. So but
1: we gotta learn but, to do that uh, again. Got to learn to do it again. You
2: can always learn how to cook at home by, you know, just watching your mom and helping out in the kitchen as a kid. So that's something that could be done at home. You know, I don't think the school necessarily, unless you're going to a culinary school, you know, learn how to be a master chef or something Then I don't see, you know, you can join the army and learn how to be a cook or any branch of the military and do that. But schools, does the school really have time to teach kids how to, you know, how to cook like that? Uh,
1: I don't think know. necessarily cook. I think the homemaker should be more focused on just being able to maintain a home, being able to, you know, as you mentioned, make sure that, uh, you know, patch up clothes and sew a button back on if they actually need to uh, just the workings of, living on your own again my generation where t- uh, they don't even consider themselves an adult until the age of 30 and most of them are staying in their parents basement until 30 until they finally move out which uh, uh, there's prime opportunity as you mentioned for them to sit there and learn from their parents about how to do things on the home front but then they go out and they still just don't quite grasp it sean i appreciate it my friend we got to take a break we're running late on one but it's always good to talk to you and enjoy the weekend my friend open lines at 316 721 8255 316 Seven two and talk. It's Kansas talk right here on the Big Talker KQAM. Mm-hmm. Welcome back into the program, just about a minute before the bottom of the hour news. Thanks for joining us here on Kansas Talk on the Big Talker KQAM. Right around the corner, State Representative Leo Delperdang. He'll be joining us in studio for a half hour talking about some of the latest issues. Well, I really want to focus on this financial literacy and civics literacy test for the public education system. It just blows my mind why the public schools would be against something like that because that makes zero sense to me in any way, shape, or form. So we'll get into that here just a little bit, too, and get kind of the uh, his thoughts on wrapping up the session before the veto session uh, here in just a few weeks in the state legislature. Where did we end this year? Medical marijuana, taxes, budgets. There was a lot that we tried to cram in this year and some surprising stuff that moved forward, some surprising things that really didn't move forward. And overall, I think it's probably been one of the best legislative sessions that we've had in a few years uh, with a little bit more conservative lean and holding the governor accountable for some stuff. So we'll get to all that and more coming up here on Candace Talk right around the corner. Lots to get to here for a Saturday morning. Stay here on KQAM.
0: Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on The Big Talker, KQAM.
1: Come on, let's
3: feel it.
1: Cut it! 34 minutes past the hour. Welcome back into Kansas Talk right here on The Big Talker. 1480 AM, 1025 FM, KQAM. All presented by Phil's Coins, 9344 West Central Avenue. Buying, selling, and trading. They are officially open this morning. They're open until 230 this afternoon for all your buying selling and trading of silver and gold with honesty and integrity they are about the only place in the mid-america region that actually has silver on hand that's how crazy this market is right now so if you want to get your gold if you want to get your silver with the way the markets are right now then uh Go out there, go check it out, and uh, make sure to get your stuff right now. Speaking of the markets, real quick, State Representative Leo Delperdang in studio with us. Leo, how are you, my friend?
4: I'm doing well, Andy. It's always good to be here with you.
1: Always good to talk to you. So, real quickly, I don't know if you do any investment on the stock market stuff. I never have. In my entire life, I don't know anything about it. I've never done stocks. I've never done any of that thing at all. Um, For the first time in my entire life, I joined Robinhood, that trading thing, that trading app. Oh, I put $100 into it. And? I put $50 into doggy coin when it was at 11 cents on, like, Tuesday. And in two days, I made $120 and got out when it was at 40 cents.
4: Then you made a profit.
1: I made a profit in two days.
4: And you, and you got out.
1: And I got out. Yeah. I got out. Now, it dropped back down, and this morning it was at uh, 25 cents. So I bought $150 back in at 25 cents. Okay. Um so we'll see if it goes back up again or
4: if you lose 100 and something
1: or if I lose but you know what I was like you know what I made a $120 profit I just put that right back into Doggy coin so if I lose it it's really not a loss there you go but I I've, I've never done this before and from what I've heard making a $120 profit in a 2 days in the first time of ever trading is usually not the case yeah it, but usually it, can, not the it case. can be addictive though it, it is addictive just remember I've, you don't always come out on the positive oh, that side. is very true so now it's I'm obsessed with it so I have it on my phone all the time now Doggy coins at 28 cents right now uh, so I'm it's moving up. but it, this doggy coin thing, I don't know anything about digital currencies. Mm-hmm. Um, this doggy coin apparently was started as a joke. Like it's not a Bitcoin. It's not like a a, a protected thing. It's not a insured thing. it's it's not. Someone just created it as a joke. and uh, some people actually bought into it when it was like two, three, five cents. And then it went up to fifty cents on Wednesday before it dropped back down. And I didn't catch it at the peak, unfortunately, but I sold it 30, 38, 39 cents, whatever it was. So, I mean, heck, I mean, I made 120 bucks. It was fun. And now I'm $150 back into it and yeah. just figured what the heck. But maybe,
4: I, maybe it'll be the next Bitcoin. I, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm blown away on what Bitcoin has done. It's over $60,000 yeah.
1: per share. That's nuts.
4: I remember when it was at 30, and I was like, oh, my goodness. Yeah. And now it's doubled since
1: then. Oh, yeah. No, it's crazy. So, again, never done any of that stuff. We're actually going to have someone on the uh, national broadcast on Wednesday, Chris Lenzo. She's a stock market reporter. She'll be joining us. She's uh, been on the program a few times talking about that uh, when the Robin Hood thing with GameStop and AMC Mm -hmm. happened. She talked about that a little bit. So she'll be joining us on Wednesday at 4 p.m. here on KQAM and uh, she'll talk to us about Doggy Coin, but I did. I actually got into it, and I got into it. I, I'm I'm pretty impressed. I got in eleven cents, got out at forty, and then I bought back in at twenty five this morning. So we'll see what it does now. Go. Well, best hopefully it hopefully friend. doesn't crash on me. <laughs> if so, then what the heck? Um, anyways, state legislative issues. Um, going along with that, the sports gambling thing that didn't really go anywhere this year, did it? Because I know some people are really anxious about that one. And then uh, we talked with Dan Hawkins, House Majority Leader, a couple weeks ago. That one just didn't really go anywhere. There was too many amendments, kind of too up in the air, and really didn't lock down some details.
4: I'm thinking there was a lot of amendments on that. I I don't have the details of that one specifically with me. But, yeah, it it did not go anywhere at this time. Sure. Doesn't mean it's dead, but it did not go anywhere
1: this year. Didn't go anywhere this time, yeah. The big one I want to ask you about, and I was talking about it in the first half hour of the program, it blows my mind. I've never thought that I could hear a Kansas Association of School Boards, just a school board group, say, no, we don't want kids to learn about a civic test to graduate, and we don't want kids to learn about financial literacy to graduate. We want them to be ignorant on financial issues going into college. Well, they get a credit card, and they spend $100,000 on student loan debt. This is not an education to me, and that kind of angers me why they would be so opposed to such a common-sense bill to me.
4: I don't, I don't understand that part either. As far as why they're opposed to it, I mean, you look at the bill, and I've got uh, the bill brief in my hand here, but it it, it requires a, at a high level. I'll just kind of jump into it for the 22 to 23 year school year. So mm-hmm. not right now, but next year, sure. It will require students en- enrolled in the in an accredited public, private, or parochial high school to pass a civics test. Uh, there'll be a series of tests as far as Part of the Kansas required courses of instruction for the graduation, but for this this year now the twenty one to twenty one two school year, the students are to pro- be provided the test. They're not required to pass it. Okay, we hope they can, but it, it's kind of the lead into it because they haven't. You know, it, it's new coming sure. up here. But where this thing gets into the, the basic civics test, it gets into financial literacy, such such as, think of this in your own life, saving and investing, you were just talking about. Yeah, I uh, wish I
1: would have known that in high school, not at 33 years old. Yeah, credit and <laughs> debit.
4: Uh, everybody's going to have that, especially if they go to, to higher ed mm-hmm. at this point. The, uh, just financial responsibility and money management, um, insurance, risk management, income, So. It's basic life skills. Right. You know, that's on the financial side. And you get into similar things on the civic side. Um, I I don't understand the negative side of this, even though we had people go up and talk on the negative side of it.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I, I guess... And I'd like to hear what they had to say on the negative side of it. I guess I can kind of sort of understand a dialogue against the civics one with them maybe making an argument of we already do civics in a history class, and a government class, so they should already know this kind of thing. But if they already know that kind of thing, then it shouldn't be a problem for them to take one more test on civics saying, you know what, here's some questions from the naturalization test with people coming into the country as a U.S. citizen You should probably know how the three branches of government work. So later on down the road, you're not like, hey, Joe Biden, please just sign an executive order to take my guns away because they're very scary. Right. Um, Because that's not how government works. And that's not how anybody should even say government should function unless you want a dictator or a tyrant to just run things the way they do. And
4: I'm blown away today just with how many people do not even know how many branches of the government there are. Or, yeah, know, and let alone being able to name one. Or they who's are. in them? Yeah. yeah, Or who's in them? Or you know the difference between us as a state level body versus the federal level. They 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 just don't distinguish before, between it here. But it, back to this one here, uh, looking into some of the opponent testimony on it, it was it was offered by the Kansas Association of School Boards and the Kansas National Education Association, and they stated in their opponent testimony that the bill would not improve civics education and would unnecessarily impede the authority of the local school boards. But yet we, as the legislature, are not dictating what's on this test. That's up to the local school boards.
1: To decide how they want to do it.
4: Yes. We just gave them the guidelines of we want the test here, maybe here's how many questions, that kind of thing.
1: So just kind of the false rage. But to me, there's got to be a deeper reason why they would be against that. To me, uh, maybe it goes against their... Uh, mandate of we want kids to kind of be ignorant, to kind of go into college blindly so that way we could kind of take advantage of them, get into the student loan debts and just kind of go about the uh, uh, just the way of the world, I guess. I don't know. Yeah.
4: Yeah. It's it, it's something that I, I, many people have been ta- touting how we need something more in this, in the schools, yeah. as far as the basic civics, as far as the basic how to balance a checkbook.
1: You know, what a concept.
5: I mean,
4: what a concept. think about it. Now, yes, I spent my career as in the engineering rank, so I did use a lot of math through my career. Sure. But same token, how many people that have taken advanced algebra and so forth go out and use this stuff on a daily basis? How many even use it? Yeah. You know, you end up in a, in a business-type career, and it, it's, yeah, you know the functions and the basics of it, but it's not like realizing how to balance a checkbook that happens every day. It's not no, realizing what's going on when you're using a debit card or a credit card or how to track all that information. It's yeah. it's something that everybody needs to know. It's yeah. basic life skills.
1: We were talking about it just a little bit ago, too. I would really love to see just a restructuring of the public education system in general and have the financial class, to have the civics literacy test, but then also be able to bring back a home ec class, a woodworking class, mm-hmm. an auto class. I mean, even if you don't like that stuff, just know how to at least freaking change the tire on the side of the road because I hate seeing, you know, Mr. Buff, man bun, good-looking dude, you know, that's my generation that sits there on the side of the road calling AAA because they don't know how to change the tire.
4: And face it, we've all seen it, driving (laughs) down the
1: highway. You know that you're there. You know it. Yeah, Yeah, we've all seen that, and it drives me nuts.
4: But back when I was in high school, my freshman year, I was in woodshop class, had had a ball. And if anybody goes to my house now, I've got a complete woodshop there. It's something I've stuck with. I've enjoyed it as a hobby. I've been sure I've used it as an investor used to own properties all over the city and it was a life skill that helped me along and it made me pretty good money over the years sure my I think it was my junior junior senior year I was in we had auto body sure you know again I'm still a car buff it's a hobby I've hung on to not something I've ever taken to a financial level, but sure. it's a but at hobby. least understand and the it, basics. Yes, and understand the basics. It. You betcha.
1: Yeah, crazy three one six seven two one eight two five five. Let's go to the phones here. We got a caller on the line. Line number one. Good morning. Who's this?
6: This is Ray. Ray, how are you, sir? Oh, I'm having a good old time. Very good. Uh, I've got a sharp stick, and I want to poke some teachers' eyes with it. <laughs> uh, these. These people, okay, we, we took uh, discipline out of the classrooms so the teachers couldn't do anything about making Johnny learn. And so the teachers turned into hands off parenting. They they don't you know, if Johnny makes it through that's fine. If not, I'm going not gonna make him learn a thing.
4: Yeah. We'll teachers, still give him a trophy for being there.
6: Exactly. Mm-hmm. Now now that that just adds up to being a bunch of losers to me. And uh I, I'd say we need to fire about half of them and get their attention back on teaching, and the unions need to drop dead.
1: Well, that's the thing. So I I, w- I wouldn't say uh, well you're I mean I wouldn't necessarily say it's a lot of the teachers. The teachers, for a lot of times, their hands are tied between the school board that tells them what they're allowed and not allowed to do, and as you yeah, mentioned, the, well, the teachers' unions that tell them what they're not allowed to do. But the school boards okay, are the really teachers.
6: Yeah, the the teachers. Or, see, we've got it all turned around. The teachers are supposed to be the bosses in the school. No, you're the absolutely administrators right. administrators and all the other people, they're just a bunch of glorified, overpaid secretaries.
1: <laughs> you're but, right. And the,
6: and the te- Yeah. And the teachers need to start standing up and say, I'm not teaching this crap. And if Johnny doesn't want to learn, he needs to get out of my class.
1: Yep. No, you're right. I mean, the teachers need to have that control and authority again, and they feel helpless in a lot of these situations because they want to and they're not allowed to or else they'll lose their jobs. And it's it's frustrating well, for them. I feel bad for the teachers.
6: Well, show up at the dang union meeting and say something. No. I mean, they don't they, – they just – what a bunch of weenies. <laughs> now, on, on, <laughs> I know I'm being mean, but I'm trying to make a point that sure. they are failing us sure. hugely. And then on this feminism stuff, the feminists do not care if women have sports or not. All they want is to agitate and stir things up. They mm. really don't care about the women. And, so they're not concerned so this, about
1: transgender sports, guys coming in and just kind of dominating the sports. They don't really care.
6: They put they're probably laughing up their sleeves at it.
1: Yeah, I it, can see
6: it's, that. It's just a, it's just stunning. Uh, okay, where and where's the the women? Uh, uh, gym teachers and everything. All, where's all the women athletes? What you know? Get up and say something for God's sake!
1: Yeah. I will say there are there are female athletes that are starting to stand up all over the country. There's been petitions. There's been legislation in different states that have been started they're by better. female athletes where they're saying we're we've had enough and we're done. And now I believe like 25, 28 states across the nation now have legislation like this that we're trying to promote here that were started from women in these sports high school are saying, wait a second, you guys, you men, you're taking away scholarships from me to try and actually go to college for these athletes. That is coming out more and okay. more, Andy. And, yeah. And yeah.
4: The, when we had the debate up in the house on that, uh, there was Representative Lonnie Clark. Mm-hmm. Absolutely blew us away. I had no idea this guy had the background he did, uh, but he spent years and years working with and coaching in the Olympic levels. He's been to Barcelona. He's been around. He went wow. up and named all these but then he got into the stats of women's and like the records on different things of women's sports versus men's. And there was nothing even close. Yeah. You know, so if you get, you know, athletic type guys starting to compete against the, the women, it, it, it blows it out of the, out of the ballpark as far mm-hmm. as women, like you say, for scholarships or for being able to comp- compete fairly. But yet we're being accused of, you know, the blood is on our hands. We're going to cause suicides throughout the, the gay and lesbian communities and so forth. And, you know, I, I've, I know lots of people in the communities like that. I, it, I'm I'm all for the equal rights. Yeah, you, sh- you shouldn't separate one from the other. But same token, we've got to be fair to the students out there the, the and the females. And why do we want to put some burly guy up against one
1: exactly in some
4: of these sports and make it totally unfair
1: yeah it's crazy Ray, i appreciate the call my friend we got to take a break but uh, have a great weekend and it's always good to talk to you As always, let's take a break here. Ten minutes to the top of the hour. When we come back, I know that we talked a little bit about education. We're going to have State Senator Renee Erickson on to talk in more detail about the education side of things with the education bill, the school funding, and the school choice bill. But when we come back, Leo, I want to talk about some of the budgetary things and the separation of the school budget and the regular state budget and where all that's at as we go into the end. Wrapping up slowly the state legislative session for 2021. It's Candace Talk right here on The Big Talker, KQAM. Stay right here. Seven minutes to the top of the hour. Welcome back into Candace Talk right here on The Big Talker. KQAM State Representative Leo Delperdang hanging out with us here for another few minutes. As we get closer to our number two, we have State Senator Renee Erickson jumping on at the top of the hour. And at the bottom, we have Sherry Curry, realtor in the Wichita area here. She'll be talking about the real estate market, which is hot right now. Craziness. We're in, I think we're in like the top five or top ten in the nation for like the least amount of inventory. And how hot the market is here. So we'll talk about that and some tips for you if you're buying or selling in the area to wrap up the show today. Uh, Let's talk about some of the potential vetoes that Governor Kelly may do in the state of Kansas going into the session. Now, for those that don't know how the process works here. You guys are on recess for a few weeks, and mm-hmm. she decides on all the bills that got to her desk on whether she wants to sign or veto or let them happen, and then you guys go back for, what, like a week afterwards, and yeah. then you go, and if she did veto anything, you guys kind of wrap up some official business and try to override some vetoes or see what's going to happen thereafter.
4: That's pretty much how you sum it up there. I mean, if she signed everything, we'd go back, and it'd probably be a day or two you wrap up the business, and we're done for the, for the year, yeah. until next year. Um, this case, I think there's several items she will veto we were just in the in, before the commercial break here we were talking about the civics and financial education bill that passed with a vote of 72 to 51 in the house mm. so 84 is that magic mark 84 yeah of, is it veto overrideable uh, you know so it's something we're thinking we may see a veto on that one specific wow uh, you mentioned the uh, the budget coming up here um that one passed on April 9th with a vote of 70 to 53. So again, that's it, going to be a hard one. It's vetoable territory. The budget was a little bit different this year. Um, we did, uh, did she was wanting
1: to once again
4: go and re amortize capers, which is your retirement plans for, of course, yeah. employees and schools and stuff.
1: But she's for the teachers, by the way. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah.
4: but that did not happen in this budget. So, and she's needing that money in order to help. Basically, balance her budget and her wants and needs. Yeah, um, we're trying to keep her from tapping into it. So, where that was a seventy vote, it is vetoable. I kind of expect she will. We'll see how that one goes. Wow, wow. Well,
1: well it's, uh, just because of the reamortizing of capers, she wants more money essentially. Well, yeah, and she I didn't mean, like she, your tax cuts
4: in the budget. She puts out a budget. the The governor does the budget. We don't necessarily make it up. The governor does a budget, and she hands it to us in the legislature in the various budget committees. And then we go through that, and she might make a budget that is basically not balanced. Right. You know, it's not necessarily a constitutional budget. We're held to it. So when it comes out of us, we've got to move monies around and rearrange in order to get certain things balanced. That means maybe adding too few items, maybe taking away a few items, but then when we're done, it goes back to her. Mm -hmm. And will she sign it or not? Who knows? That'll be Um, the question. But where it was a low enough vote here, it it may not get signed. What was different this year is on the uh, school choice uh, portion that you talked about earlier, the school budget funding was was tied into that one. So normally we see a budget with all the school items in it too. That was kind of separated out. So they both passed, but they're both handed over to her. So will she
1: sign both of them or not? That'll be interesting. That's going to be an interesting one. Now, I know that, and we got just about a minute or so left Mm -hmm. here to kind of wrap up, but I know that we had talked about earlier some tax cuts uh, in the state, or at least, like, matching the federal tax cuts so that way you can write off and deductibles and stuff on your taxes. Did that stuff go through with this budget and with your tax bills, or did that go to the wayside after learning that we had a bit of a shortfall in the state? Now, I
4: believe that went through, and you're talking about the decoupling. Yeah. Um, For example, if you itemize on your federal tax return. That's right. That's right. You have to itemize on that in order to itemize on the state this time around. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you keep in mind, a couple of years ago through when the Trump administration, he they raised the, the basic write-off and deductions on sure. the Fed. So a lot of people did not necessarily have to itemize on the feds because it gave me a big standard deduction there. Well, if I take that standard deduction, then suddenly I'm not allowed to uh, itemize on my state return. And that's where we want to decouple of those things. And it might make sense to itemize state, maybe not Fed or vice versa, but we should have the choice there.
1: Yeah, we need a choice. And you can, again, how crazy you can choose how you want to do your taxes to make sure that you get the most amount of money back because – that's your money what a wild concept state representative leo delperding district number 94 always good to talk to you my friend thank you we'll do it again soon Hour number two candace talk right around the corner got a big hour for you also open lines to you as well we'll get to all of it right here on the big talker kqam stay here
4: Hey, Wichita, it's Brian Kilmeade. I'm host of the Brian Kilmeade Show, which you can hear daily, and I hope you listen Monday through Friday right here on Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM, 1480 AM, and 102.5 FM starting at 8 AM. Remember, the latest news, current events, breaking news, of course, and everything in between. We will definitely keep you up to date so you are ready to go about your day. It's weekdays from 8 to 11. Join me, Brian Kilmeade, on Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM.
0: This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on the Big Talker KQAM.
1: It is hour number two at Kansas Talk right here on the Big Talker, 1480 AM and 1025 FM KQAM. Happy Saturday morning. It's great to have you for the ride this morning. Making it happen, doing the thing, getting you up and moving for the day. And it's been a fun one so far. State Representative Leo Delperding, appreciate him coming on the program as we do often. So thanks for that. Coming up, wrapping up the show today, uh, real estate. The real estate market here in Wichita is off the hook. And we have uh, someone coming on to talk about that, Sherry Curry. She's with Collins & Associates Real Estate Professionals here in the Wichita area. We've had her on before, a family friend. She's the one that got us our home. So we're looking forward to chatting with her and just a little bit to talk about the real estate market because it's going nuts for sure. Uh, but as we're continuing, by the way, with our Legislative talks all right here on Kansas Talk, presented by Phil's Coins at 9344 West Central Avenue. Buying, selling, and trading honesty and integrity for all your gold and silver needs. Make sure to check them out. They are open right now until 2.30 this afternoon. Also online at philscoins.com. We'll get Phil Martinez back on the program next week, so we're excited about that is we do at the end of every month. Next week's show is going to be fun, by the way. We're going to step away from the politics for a little bit on the show next week. And next Saturday, you're not going to want to miss it, we're going to be having an Entrepreneur Day. Yeah, an Entrepreneur Day in a startup business, an inventor's day, however, whatever you want to look at it, however you want to call it. There are a few individuals here in the Wichita area, and some people may not know this. There's a few individuals in Wichita who, that are set to premiere on Shark Tank next week for an invention they made. So we're going to, and the program, program's going to be on Friday next week, Shark Tank. So we're going to have them on the national show on Friday uh, to tease, but they can't say what kind of deal they made on Shark Tank because the episode hadn't been aired yet. So they're going to come back on the show Saturday morning, and we're going to talk about the pro, the The product is called The Scrubby. And it's kind of neat. You can check it out at the Scrubby. You can look at that one. Uh, They're going to be on Shark Tank. They're going to come back on the show on Saturday to talk about what kind of deal that they actually made or did they make a deal with one of the investors there on Shark Tank. At the same time, I figured we're just going to make it an entrepreneur day and we're going to talk to inventors of the area and we have about two or three of them coming on the program Lacey leatherman she's uh she has not come on the program before but we i've talked to her for years and i've been wanting to get her on the program i just haven't been able to do it uh she's the inventor of zip sip which is a zippable uh beer koozie yeah and it's pretty awesome so she'll be coming on the program as well along with the guys the three guys with the scrubby so it's going to be a cool inventors day on the program next week along with phil's coin so uh uh, entrepreneurship as well so we're going to step away from the politics next saturday and have a little fun uh with entrepreneurs and inventors on the program but today I'm excited to have on the program right now to talk more about what's going on on the Senate side of things and as we go into the veto session in May and what happened this year in the Senate and, of course, a focus on some of the educational stuff. Excited to have back on the program with us Kansas State Senator Renee Erickson with us. Renee, how are you, my friend?
5: Hey, I'm great, Andy. Thanks for having me back.
1: It is great to have you back on the program. It's always good to talk to you. It's been, I I have to say, I've been relatively impressed with the legislative session this year. Usually we feel like we're almost banging our head against the wall where we can pass these things, but yet we haven't been able to because Republicans are blocking it and uh, we have this internal war with our Republicans. And I'm sure that still happened this year. But with more conservatives within the Republican ranks on both in both chambers, really, and some more conservative leadership that we have in the chambers as well, I, I've been really happy with the way things have gone. We've been able to move forward with some really unique bills that usually don't go anywhere. And it seems like we've been able to get more stuff on the governor's desk this year as well. Uh, well,
5: you're exactly right, Andy. And uh, that's a great analysis. And Overall we've had a very productive session. We we started out fast out of the gate. Normally it's slower at the beginning of session. But one, we didn't know how long we were going to be in Topeka. Thankfully we made it through the full session. And two, we had to play catch up from last year because we left so early so we basically rolled two sessions into one, and with a more conservative majority, we were able to move some things. And, uh, yeah, I feel real good about the work that we've done so far.
1: That's awesome. That's awesome. I love it. Now, one of the big things that I know you focus uh, a lot of this as well, and you and you kind of front this on the Senate side, with the education stuff. It's been a wild year. We've talked about education choice and school choice for a long time in the state of Kansas. I remember rallies that Governor Brownback used to go to when I first got into Kansas talking about school choice and wanting to advocate for school choice where you as a parent can choose on where you want to take your kids and having that money in a school savings account or some type of uh, voucher program or something to allow the children to choose where they want to go based on the quality of the education. We actually had a really good discussion this year and this actually went pretty far. Talk about where that is right now.
5: Yeah, we did. We uh, came up one. The House passed it. It was um, House Bill 2119, came over to the Senate. We put it in a shell. So it's SB 175. We came up one vote short of passing it on the Senate side. It has an educational savings account, which is exactly what you're talking about, Andy. Huge opportunity for kids and parents. Um, We're not giving up. We're going to bring that back. We're going to try to get it. It's the right thing to do for Kansas kids and Kansas families. And the COVID, the Kelly COVID shutdown, I think, just pointed out the need for for a more diverse educational opportunity for kids. I firmly believe the money should follow the child. We're paying to educate children, not fund an educational bureaucracy. So I think that was highlighted from the Kelly COVID shutdown. And uh, sooner or later, we're going to get those opportunities for kids.
1: I love it. It's something that we desperately need, but I'm sure that the uh, members of the you know school board association of the you know the the school administrators they probably lost their minds thinking about something like this because they've had such an iron grip control on the public education system, and they finally just a couple of years ago with the Kansas Supreme Court started getting the money that they wanted to, which is way above and beyond, uh, which is just completely absurd. That they probably have not been a big fan of this at all, have they?
5: No, they're fighting it tooth and nail, and we knew they would. But here's the truth of the matter. In the Supreme Court ruling on Gammon, they said you are failing uh, the at-risk students. So this educational savings account is for at-risk students. We're getting $1.3 billion additional dollars in Kansas from the federal government to try to make up the gap that we know is going to exist from the Kelly COVID shutdown of our schools. We know there's that gap. They're getting $1.3 billion over the next three years to make up that gap. And the state kicks in another $500 million for at-risk students, Andy. And the sad thing is we've quadrupled our spending on at-risk students since 2006, and our results have gone down. So we're spending more, failing those students. At some point, we need to push and say, look, it's about those kids that we're failing. And they need to have some options. This is not acceptable. But, yeah, they're going to fight anything that, that they see as a threat to their money, as a threat to their monopoly on education in Kansas. But for me, it's all about helping those kids.
1: Yeah, what a terrible thing trying to help out those actual kids. So talk about how this would work. We would, uh, They would get a savings account, and the parents, would they be able to move school districts within the public schools? Would they have to just stay around there and just choose between magnets or private schools in the area? How would those options work?
5: Well, that's the beauty of this, because it's flexible. Now, they're going to tell you it's a voucher. It is not. A voucher is strictly for a private school tuition. This account, if, you, if your student qualifies as at risk, the base state aid per pupil, which is about $4,600 would go into a savings account managed by the state treasurer, and parents could access that money for a variety of options to help those kids catch up academically. It could be private school tuition. It could be a supplemental, a a tutor, a Sylvan learning program, anything or additional supplemental things within the public school system. So the parents are in control of that to find the resources needed to help their kid catch up. And I think it's a great idea. I think it's much needed. And um, like I say, we're going to keep fighting for it till we get it. Yeah,
1: no, that's amazing. I love how the media was reporting on this bill because they kept repeatedly saying, you know, it was money allotted towards the public schools that parents would be able to use for public schools. And that was allotted to the public schools because, well, it was supposed to go to public schools. And now the public schools are going to have money taken away because the parents would have the choice to take that away from the public school and give it to the private school. And they've continued to just demonize this about how bad it's going to be uh, but Renee, I, I looking at these numbers, which I was not aware of, uh, and we've talked a little bit about this before as well, the per student price of the education system right now has hit16 thousand dollars. Now I remember when I started in radio here about five, six years ago, it, we we were talking about it breaking records at ten to eleven thousand dollars. Are we really sitting at 16 grand per student right now in the public system?
5: Well, no, because you know, Andy, next year that's going up to approximately seventeen thousand two hundred per student. <laughs> so it, it's it's incredible the amount of money we're spending. But the thing is, I want to see results for that. Mm-hmm. And our our public schools are not producing results. And we've got a lot of phenomenal teachers out there. But my thing is, it needs to be focused on the student and. Mm-hmm. Far too often it's focused on the adults in the system rather than educating kids. And I don't care if that's public school or private school. We've got to find a setting that works for kids because all does not work. No. It does not work anymore, and we've got to be willing to put the best interest of those kids at heart and not, you know, do the things the way we've always done
1: yeah absolutely we're talking with state senator renee erickson here from the wichita area let's talk about the budget and the school stuff we talked with state representative leo delperding just a few minutes ago in the last half hour but uh, a little bit different this year it sounds like between the separation of the state budget and then the education side as well because of the school choice bill and what you guys actually want to do how is that going did it is it actually going relatively smooth and do you think the governor's actually going to sign this stuff or do you think she's going to veto it
5: Oh, I fully expect uh, when we do get it through the Senate, and we will, um, she will veto it. Um, but she's keep this in mind, she's vetoing full constitutional, according to the Supreme Court, funding for schools. She's going to vote veto school funding because she doesn't like the policy pieces. <laughs> but Andy, as a legislature, it is our responsibility to make sure that we're being good stewards of taxpayer money. And to me, No more do we just write schools a a big whopping blank check with no accountability for student achievement and results. That's what we're doing with this bill. So um, what that's going to shake out to look like, but I fully expect going forward, and I'm certainly going to fight. Policy always being tied to school funding from now
1: on. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, We got just a couple minutes left here before we have to take a break. But let's talk about real quickly. We had you on the program a while ago to talk about this issue with the transgender bill, the NCAA coming out and trying to strong arm a little bit and say any state that's passing any type of stuff like this, they're not going to hold any tournaments or championships in those states because you know we're about equality and you know whatever. But uh, statement from the Senate with Ty Masterson, the Senate President, saying that we're not going to be strong armed or bullied on this issue and we want to protect the rights of women are you still confident this bill is actually going to get through here in kansas
5: absolutely the governor's going to veto it we know that but we are we didn't pass it with enough for a a veto override but we'll get there andy Um, when when people have to choose we had several passes um, when it was voted on we'll get those people we will override her veto and let me just say shame on the people who are saying this is going to cost us money Shame on putting a price on equal rights for girls and shame on the NCAA for advocating for something they admit through their own rules and regulations. You know, they have different standards for girls and boys, men's and women's sports in a variety of things. They acknowledge the physiological differences. So shame on them for punishing states who only do the the same. So we will fight this battle because it's the right thing to do. It's the fair thing to do for girls and women in Kansas.
1: Amen to that. I love it, and I can't wait to see some of this stuff go through. It's been a very successful year, I think, overall, especially with having a Democrat governor, and it's been fun to watch her squirm and not like some of the stuff you guys are working on. So uh, kudos to you on that. Keep up that fight. yeah.
5: Hang on tight, Andy, because in (laughs) in two years we're going to have a Republican governor and then watch what we're able to achieve. We're going to really be able to do some things that are great for the state of Kansas.
1: I like it. That's the way we roll. State Senator Renee Erickson. Renee, it's always good to talk to you, my friend. Keep up the great work. We'll talk to you again here real soon.
5: Anytime. Thanks, Andy. Have a a great
1: day. Hey, you as well. Always appreciate the time very much. We'll take a break. 20 minutes past the hour. We'll talk about some of this, get your thoughts on it. Plus, we'll wrap up and talk about some real estate here in the Candace area as well. It's Candace Talk right here on the Big Talker KQAM. 23 minutes past the hour. Welcome back into Kansas Talk right here on the Big Talker, 1480 a.m., 1025 FMK, QAM. Good Saturday morning to you. Joe Pags live with the weekend coming up here in just a little bit, about 40 minutes from now. Make sure to stay tuned in for that. We're going to be talking real estate here in just a minute as well. Crazy real estate market. But until then, you do have a few minutes to call in if you'd like to at 316 721 8255. 316 721 Talk if you'd like to join into the program. Here's something interesting for you as we continue on with the uh, vaccinations across the state. I know we haven't talked much about that today, but we talk about that a lot uh, all throughout the week and here on the weekends. But real quickly, something I found quite intriguing, according to the Topeka Capital Journal, Kansas is more COVID-19 vaccine skeptical than most of the U.S. as a whole, according to the census data. The, now, this is coming after the pausing of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine because of blood clots that happened in six or eight individuals, one of them even up in Nebraska, so relatively close. And it's a rare, its a, well, Andy, a blood clots happen. It's a rare blood clot, form of blood clot that happens, uh, and they don't know what's going on. I know the investigations are ongoing with it. We'll see what happens. Um, from the latest that I heard, actually, they, some scientists or some researchers said that they thought it was due to covid that actually caused the blood clot. So that's kind of interesting. It was it because of the strain that was in the Johnson and Johnson vaccine to boost the, the to trigger the immune system was it because they actually tested positive or got exposed to COVID? That's something interesting. But they have the Johnson and Johnson vaccine on hold, but as of right now, roughly 46% of the state's residents say they will definitely get the COVID-19 shot when it's available in the state of Kansas. 46% that means there are 54% that are not sure or not going to get it. Now, according to the KDHE, they don't think that it's like adamant against, completely against the vaccine at 54%. But they say roughly 37% of the state's residents have already gotten at least one dose. Uh, four weeks, uh, four weeks ago, the number of individuals who said they would get the vaccine was at a high of 49%. Now it's down to a 46%. Uh, They say, quote, I don't think that's much of a 54 is completely the anti-vax camp. If we see 54 percent, we need to be asking questions about how to uh, try to break up that group, because what messages work for particular groups within that are uh, going to be very unique to the demographic characteristics of that subset? So trying to figure out how to educate you, I guess, on being more comfortable getting that vaccine. But 54 percent. A little more skeptical than the rest of the nation. A lot more people across the nation wanting to get the vaccines. Here we're like, "Eh, not really. I still stand by mine. If you're of healthy age or if you have a halfway decent immune system and you exercise and have a decent diet and take vitamins and do your thing and you have a strong immune system, you don't need the vaccine. It's not about wanting it or not wanting it or thinking it works or doesn't work. To me, it's about the need. The elder individuals, the ones with immune-compromised systems, the ones that are sick, get it. Sure, do your thing. Protect yourself. If that's what makes you feel comfortable, get it. That's totally cool. However, I don't need it. If I get it, I'm going to have a 98.5% chance of it not doing anything to me and being completely asymptomatic. I'm not concerned. And I'll take those chances. For a child, really anybody under 18 years of age, you have like a 0.03% chance of it actually harming you really, really badly. So you essentially have a 99.97% rate of it being completely fine. I'm not concerned about those odds. If I was immune compromised, if I was extremely sick, I would consider it, but I'm not. And that's really what it comes to. So if you feel comfortable, get it, do your thing. If you want that extra protection, that's completely fine. At the same time. If you don't need it, that doesn't mean you have to get it. But, Andy, herd immunity. You can get herd immunity by getting the virus, being completely asymptomatic, having the antibodies, and then going about your day. So it's really about personal choice on what you want to do. And, yes, vitamins and natural health can actually just be fine for you to be fine with COVID as well. It's really about – I mean, well, Andy, look at all the 500,000 people that have died from this thing. That's because we have a really bad diet in our nation and we have an obesity problem in this nation. We have a lot of other issues in this nation, which, by the way, COVID affects people with immune-compromised systems or that are overweight. So I'm just throwing that out there. If you take care of yourself and your are healthy, you'll be completely fine. But I find it interesting. I don't know why Candace is one of those being skeptical, but as of right now, only 46% of the state population saying they are adamant about getting the vaccine. And the, the health department statewide and countywide Really want that number of vaccinated individuals to be around 60 to 80 percent. They said right around 80 percent for that herd immunity, which I don't think they're going to get. I really don't think that even trying to sit down and talk, if a, if a panel of doctors from the Kansas Department of Health and Environment came down and sat down one on one with me and said, Andy, this is the breakdown of the vaccine. This is what it does. This is why it's completely harmless. I want you to get it. Also say thanks, but no, I'm not going to do it. Not going to do it. Which is why I find it troubling why we see school districts pushing the vaccine. We talked about it last week, trying to push it on to, oh, we'll give you free tickets to the prom. Oh, we're going to need to open up schools and open up athletics again, and that way you need to get the vaccine. We're going to do vaccine clinics for the children when there's no need for that in any way, shape, or form. So, Candace, uh, right now, the majority of people are very skeptical about this virus. What's going to lead on down the road, and are we going to be strong-armed in this Is it going to be the next question? What are they going to do to say, well, you're not allowed to go into public or go to a baseball game or go to the wind surge or go anywhere in public unless you actually have the vaccine like some states are trying to do right now? The vaccine cards, the vaccine app to either show that you've proven to test negative or that you've gotten the vaccine. Is that what's in our future here in the state of Kansas? Sure hope not. We'll talk about that a little bit later. When we come back, bottom of the hour news, we'll shift gears a little bit. The real estate market in Kansas a little bit wonky right now. What's going on? And we'll get some tips on if you're buying or selling. We'll talk about all that and more right here on Candice Talk, here on the Big Talker, KQAM. back into Candace Talk right here on The Big Talker. Oh, hold on here. Helps if, I, uh... Helps if I actually get our live stream up and going. You can find us on the stream as well at KQAM, facebook.com, slash KQAM. You can watch us there on the Facebook live feed, which uh, I had to get that back up and going. But hey, welcome into the program, 316 Last half hour of the show already goes by way too fast. This show really does fly right on by. I thought my one-hour program during the week goes by fast, but good golly. Uh, We talked a lot of politics today, and you can comment on any of that stuff, but I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about something that I find really interesting. So the real estate market in Wichita is probably one of the craziest things. We'll get to that here in a second with Sherry Curry with Collinson Associates Real Estate Professional. Sherry, how are you? I'm
3: wonderful. Thanks for
1: having me again, It's always good to talk to you, Uh, personal, family, friend. We love having you, and you helped us get our house as well. and. Uh, our house is rocking. We absolutely love it. And, and a, a few little issues I've talked about on the radio, but it's going to be bigger and better. And we're building the Hoosier Media Network studios. I'm I'm still building my, in, my in-home studio. It's going to be really cool. I'm excited cool. to see that. I can't wait to show it. <laughs> and we're actually filming and taking pictures of a lot of the renovation to see the whole progress. So that way we can do a big release of it. And it's going to be cool. Four That's different awesome. T V sets, a green yeah. screen, a radio studio. Oh, cool. It's gonna be legit. Like we're we're it's been a long time coming and it's gonna be a lot of work, but we're really cool to see it all. So That's awesome. and a bar, because why the heck not? Yeah. Yeah. So there we are. How have <laughs> how have you been? You've been busy and you're getting ready for some summer stuff as well.
3: Yes. Um well, we're getting ready to um there's an event where uh for in my real estate side, um, I wear a lot of hats. So um, on the real estate side, next week, next Saturday, there's uh, the veterans. They're doing a drive-through, okay, and where a lot of vendors can drive by, and we can like share our business cards and visit with them and things like that. Nice, so that's okay. something that that we're doing to support our veterans, sure, which I'm really excited about. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> tomorrow, again, a different hat. I'm supporting Cowtown, the Old Cowtown Museum. It's their up and opening season day. It's and opening for Cowtown tomorrow. Opening oh, for Cowtown man. tomorrow, and it's free for everyone. Hey. They're going to have all sorts of events, and um, there's going to be over 70 local vendors. Okay, um, So artists like myself, I'll be set up there. Um, and different different artisans, there will be authors selling really? their books. I had no idea this Center. was going on. Yeah, so um, it, it'll be big, and then, you know, it's free, so yeah. come on out, have some fun out at Cowtown tomorrow. I am
1: super excited about that. We're going to have to come down and, and, and see that. Uh, now, yeah. this year, have you heard any news? Are they doing the reenactments again after what happened last year? I know that they put a they're kibosh from for a while.
3: They're doing except they're not doing the shootouts. Not the doing the shootouts. The city hasn't allowed them to do the shootouts again yet.
1: Is that still under investigation? Are they going to open it that back will up? Be. Or okay,
3: I don't. They're hoping, but who knows? Gotcha. I'm being told probably not. Unfortunately, really. But but let's let's pray. Yeah. That, that they they can. Yeah,
1: yeah, that would be really nice. Yeah. Um. Now as well, you're still with the Wichita Paranormal Research Society. We get you guys in for Halloween all the time. Are you guys still doing hunts right now?
3: Yes, we've got one coming up in May. Hey. So, And that's at Cowtown also. So you can go to the Cowtown website, mm-hmm. Old Cowtown Museum, and uh, purchase tickets. They're $30 a piece. Cool. We're limiting uh, 50 people to, okay. to join us. Very good. So. Now,
1: have you seen, the, the big question is, I know, I didn't <laughs> get to see him when I went there a couple of times with you guys, but the shadow man there at Cowtown, is he still around? Have you seen him lately?
3: I haven't personally seen him recently, but two of the guests at the last event that we had out there actually saw the Shadow Man, and Ooh. one of our investigators, I should say, um, actually kind of out close by the farmhouse.
1: Ooh, okay. Yeah,
3: he's usually out by Murdoch, but lately he's just kind of traveling hanging throughout,
1: around, yeah. hanging out, yeah. I love some of the audio you guys have found there. I uh, You guys played one on the air with us that was the audio, I believe, from the farmhouse of, like, in the middle of the night, people just, like, randomly talking, just talking yeah. as if, like, they came in from like, a hard day on the farm kind of thing. Yeah. That was kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Like,
3: walked in, you could hear them walking in, and then said, Bill, rah, 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 and then you hear a distant <laughs> response, and then, rah, 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 and then they leave. You hear the footsteps very clearly. Um. That was at the farmhouse yeah. and I had actually left the recorder run all night. So nobody was on grounds
1: Yeah, at that time. That's crazy. That's cool. I love it. We'll, we'll talk more about ghosts here in just a minute, but <laughs> uh, I wanted to talk about the real estate market because we've been seeing the stories about how ridiculous the market is right now and how lack of inventory is. It, it, it's still that way. And yes. we're in what the top five, top 10 in the nation right now with, for this. Yes. Wow.
3: Yes. Um, First of all, if you're in the market to buy or to sell your home, please call me, <laughs> 993-2422. I would be happy to represent you. Um, it's almost like winning the lottery for us realtors right now because if if the house is priced right, you're going to have a bidding war, yeah. period, end of story. The day it hits the market, you're going to have so many showings. Um, it, it's when I pull up to show a house, I'm usually waiting on three or four other agents showing. And then by the time you leave, you've got three or four waiting. Wow. It, It's the first time ever, Andy, when I've had a listing that I actually had to negotiate down on a price. Wow. Because they offered way too much and there was no way the house was going to appraise. That's the thing. What I'm telling buyers right now. Is you need to have the ability to have the cash difference in whatever you're paying over the value, whatever it um, comes in at appraisal. You you need to have the cash difference, and what looks best, number one, is cash is king. Mm-hmm. If you're making cash offer, you're you're more likely going to get accepted, but you're still going to have to be over asking. Sure. In everything. I have an investor that's been offering cash on multiple houses that we've um, we've made bids on, and he didn't win. Wow. He didn't win. With cash. With cash. <laughs> um, so you're, you're going to have to offer higher than asking. And it's really hard for me because I'm one of those negotiating people. Sure. And basically right now there's no negotiating. Yeah. There's very little negotiating going on. That's um, wild. Up front.
1: Why is it? What is it? I, I can't see COVID. Maybe it is COVID. People just hanging onto to their homes, not wanting to sell or move right now because of uncertainty. I mean, what's the reason for this?
3: That's what I'm finding. Wow. Absolutely. Um, afraid for their jobs. Um, what's going to happen when the government stops um, allowing you to move your mortgage payments behind? I think people oh, sure. possibly are going to start losing their houses once that stops. Interest rates are going to go crazy high because um, interest rates are still low, very very low, but they are starting to creep back up. Okay. So, um, so if you're looking to buy a an already built house, understand the challenge that it is right now. Sure. It, it it's very very challenging. You you purchased yours at the very beginning of all that. Yeah, I was going to say so it was So right we had there. things to look at out there. Right. Now there's very little. I mean, when it hits the market, you have to look at it that day or it's going to be gone. It's going to be gone. It wow. will be gone.
1: That would it's gonna reset at some point and kind of balance out because if the market's that high and people are getting that much more over what they're asking, I mean you would think that would entice a lot more people to be like, Hey, I can get a killer on my house right now if I sell and kinda upgrade. So it's kinda it's it's gonna reset and kind of balance out here shortly, ain't it? I you would think. I
3: hope so. At some point I keep thinking
1: (laughs) That would ideally the
3: future (laughs) It would just make
1: sense to me. I mean if I could if I could get 20 grand over the appraisal and someone paying in cash and not have to worry about anything, you know, heck yeah, I'm going to do that and just try and upgrade and get something a little bit better. Right.
3: Yeah. But the challenge is is finding that little bit better. Yeah.
1: Well, that's the question. That's yeah. That's the problem. That's the thing.
3: So that's why I'm saying, if right now for all those investors out there, if you've got a lot of rentals, yes, this is the time to sell. It's never going to be a better time. Sure. I really don't think it's a better time sure. than to sell them right now. Okay. Um, if you are wanting to move at the same time of your sale, that's going to be what's going to be challenging. Sure. Um, people that are having homes built, they are paying $50,000 more mm-hmm. because the cost of material has gone up significantly. Uh, just a little example. Um, one of my dear friends, I sold him a new build and, um, here in Wichita, real close to Goddard, um, in Turkey Creek, oh, five years ago, and he paid one twenty dollars for it. It was a two-bedroom, new build, no finished basement, $120,000. Today, for that exact same house, it's $169,000.
1: Wow. Good golly.
3: And that's all because of the price of material.
1: Now, I was, that's the next question I wanted to ask was the price of material. People are wanting to build new things, but the material is so expensive, which I think COVID has part of that to do as well. Oh, just 100% because of has to do with just it. Just trading, trying to import resources, trying yes. to do that. It makes it too, almost too expensive to build a house right now as well.
3: But that's basically your only option. And if you're able to wait for that to be built to wow. sell your current house. And with all this going on added on top of that, the price of rentals has gone up. Sure. We had a little rental that we started out renting for about four hundred dollars a month. By the time we sold it, we were renting it for around seven hundred. It is currently now and it's a little tiny two bedroom on the south side. Um it's now being rented for eight
1: ninety five. Wow. Yeah. Wow. More than double than what you had it originally. Yes. Yeah. That's crazy. Now, what about? Um, in, I haven't heard much about them lately. I think they're still bidding those mini homes that were going to be on the east side of town. Is that going to be a popular thing because it's going to be cheaper to build? Um, but the little plot of land, but what is it like? Those micro homes or micro mansions, whatever they called those? I mean, is that the future?
3: <laughs> I think. More so on the east and west coast. I don't know that they'll be real popular here.
1: Yeah, because they were building some residential side of that there here too. For weren't they? Yeah. I mean, are they still doing that?
3: I, I'm not sure.
1: Interesting. Actually.
3: Okay. I'm not sure because I hadn't heard them in the news in a I long haven't time. Heard about it in a long time either.
1: Yeah, so. that makes me that know. that makes me curious. Because, I mean, if it's smaller to build like that, then. Maybe that's the new way to go, but I don't know. I, I mean, things have got to balance out here. Once no,
3: I, I got it uh, spread
1: out. Uh, yeah, I know. Yeah, I couldn't do that. I mean, I have a
3: small home, but come on.
1: Yeah, three hundred square foot home like that. I mean, that's smaller than my apartment that I had when I first, uh, you know, it's, we got married and when uh, when the misses I moved in. Uh, yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't do that. Couldn't do that. It's just ridiculous. Um, things have to balance out here soon. It's just a question yeah. of when. But we're going into the hot season right now too, with spring yeah. and summertime.
3: and it's so stressful. <laughs> usually we're like yay we're going to have some business <clears throat> the business has been booming the entire year but the issue is we're working so hard as realtors um but you you have three or four buyers and we can't find the houses for them yeah at all
1: at all i was going to say so i
3: don't know how this booming season that we usually have is going to is going to go is yeah go. what's what Actually sits um, a little longer than the standard two hundred thousand and under homes.
1: Mm-hmm. Two hundred
3: and fifty on up. Well, two seventy five on up. Okay, you may have a chance of getting it at normal price. Okay, so, so it's a little in, bit more if you're normal there. The, if you're in the upper range of of home purchasing, um, there there are those to be found. Okay, absolutely. But
1: anything under two fifty, you're not going to find much. It's
3: going to be it's going to be crazy, and you need to expect to to offer more and have the cash difference.
1: How many are on the market between that two fifty and lower? Do you know within the Wichita area?
3: I I'm sorry, I didn't look that. No, up. No, that's okay. I'm just curious. Yeah, it's it's not that many.
1: Yeah, and the ones that In are there are the ones that people don't want. Right. Yeah.
3: That need a lot of work. Sure. Kind of thing, but people are overpaying for those too. Shockingly. Wow.
1: It's a weird time. Weird time. How many cities are going through something like this right now? It's all of them. It's everyone. Just everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah, it's
3: everyone. I speak to realtors all over the United States. My family that's in Alabama. It's going on everywhere. All over the place.
1: This is wild wild we'll take a break here uh, Talk with sherry curry collins and associates real estate professionals also the other things in the community as well when we come back we'll continue this conversation the real estate markets and what can we do about it and we'll talk about the future going into the hot season of the summer that's going to be interesting to say the least we'll do that when we come back here right here on the big talker kqam stay here
0: when you miss the morning news with john wright resources for law enforcement struggling with mental health issues League 42 celebrates Jackie Robinson with the debut of a life-size statue at McAdams Park, and the Cedric County Sheriff speaks out about suspected crimes committed by his employees. Your morning news with John Wright, 6 to 8 on The Big Talker, 1480 AM and 1025 FM, KQAM.
1: Welcome back in. Last segment here. It goes by way too fast. Roughly seven minutes, to the top of the hour, right here on the Big Talker KQAM. Joe Pags live with The weekend coming up on KQAM in just a few minutes. We're talking with Sherry Curry about things going on in the community, real estate, all that sort of thing. Um, as a realtor, and I'm sure with all the realtors in the community right now, are you concerned going into the hot season with such limited amounts of um, inventory around here? Very. Yeah.
3: I'm very concerned <laughs> about what's going to happen. <laughs> what's going to happen? you know we get buyers and then can't find them their house the the i'm trying to educate those buyers and you you need to be prepared to have extra money yeah. besides your down payment if you have an fha loan um to, to be able to pay more than yeah. asking they're they're not negotiating down sellers are not negotiating down because nope. they know don't even try don't don't even try yeah. because Unless that house has been sitting there for a couple of months, yeah, you're you're not going to get for less. Sure, you're probably going to have to pay more. And um, if you have a choice on an FHA loan uh, or a VA loan versus conventional, try to go with a conventional. I know you're going to need more money down, but as if if I have a house listed and I'm going to receive multiple offers. If these are my choices and say they all offer the same price, you go conventional versus FHA or VA, I'm going to suggest to the seller to take the conventional Mm. because it's going to be easier to appraise. It doesn't have to go through the um, appraisal inspections that an FHA or VA loan will. So as um, an agent representing a seller, I'm going to recommend to my seller to accept a conventional over the others. Sure. And then cash is king.
1: Yeah, cash is king. It's wild. I'm wondering how much the now that things are starting to open up, if that's going to maybe change the market a little bit with COVID starting to go to the wayside, vaccines coming out, people feeling more comfortable, and businesses things starting to open up a little bit between that and then what interest rates do with the federal government are really going to be kind of the two hanging things to decide what the market will do over the next few months, you think?
3: I think so. Yeah. I hope it continues because when COVID hit, so many people pulled their houses off the market because they were afraid to let people come in their house. Right. Yeah, I remember <coughs> so that. I mean, we were looking better. at the beginning
1: of it. And no one wanted to let us even come in or they didn't right. want to even go there. And they're like, wipe everything down and here's some like spray stuff to spray on your way out. You know? Right. Yeah.
3: yeah. So people are, there's some that are still, you know, be sure and, you know, use hand sanitizer before you come in and blah, blah, blah. But most of them um, aren't. Sure wild
1: so. wild it's going to be f- interesting to watch i feel bad for that market although it's just fascinating to sit back and watch all this play out so i don't know i don't know what's going to happen but hopefully if things open up then we can start seeing some more houses pop up on the market but if you're a, sure a first time so. home buyer and you're looking at that $100,000 range yeah, good luck
3: uh, yeah yeah I've got two buyers in that price range right now. So if you've got a rental, please—if
1: <laughs> you have a rental, <laughs> rental that you want to sell,
3: please call me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we we the... have
3: several buyers right now ready to buy.
1: There's such a high demand. <laughs> I love it. Real quickly, uh, we got about 30 seconds left. How people can—how uh, can people reach you?
3: My cell phone is 993-2422.
1: There we go, Sherry. It's good to talk to you as always. Thank you for good to see you again. Me. Next time we get you in here, we'll talk more about the the ghostly things as well, and All have right. some fun that way again too. Yes. We'll do it. That does it for us today. Back at it on Saturday next week. Also on the Voice of Reason throughout the week as well, from four p.m. right here on the KQAM Airwaves, our flagship for the national broadcast of the Voice of Reason. We have a great lineup of guests there. Uh, also on HoosierReason.com. Make sure to check that out. We'll be back here for Kansas Talk next Saturday, nine to eleven. Right now, Joe Peggs live with the weekend coming up here right on KQAM. Everybody have a wonderful weekend.